All right, well, good morning. How are you all, TBA? That sounds awesome. It's been a crazy week, has it not? Everybody make it safe through the storm. Everything's okay. Everybody got power. Anybody don't have power? You're welcome to come to our house. Have a hot shower. Have a hot meal. For, listen, for all of you who have um, graciously volunteered and helped out, helped out your neighbors, helped out your community, um, helped out this church in a time of need, I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being the hands and feet of Jesus. I mean, that's what we're called to be in these times is to put aside our own concerns and our own problems and help others who are in need. And every need that has come into this church, um, we have been able to meet. So that's a really cool thing. And I just want to thank you guys for doing that. Keep your eyes open for uh, other needs. I'm sure there are still going to be more needs that come in this week. And if you can help in that We'd love for you to help. If you're not on TBA Needs, which is our uh, email chain uh, that helps spread needs around, uh, make sure you check your connection card. Get on that email chain on TBA Needs so that you can help out when uh, there are people in need. Um, And then let's just continue to be in prayer. Continue to be in prayer for those who are still uh, suffering the effects of the hurricane and uh, just be prepared to do whatever God leads you to do to help out when that time comes. All right, well, we're in week two, even though it's delayed. I know we got delayed a week because of the hurricane, but we are in week two of our Experiencing God study, and I'm already hearing really good things that are coming out of this study. I hope you all are enjoying it and that God is speaking to your hearts. So my question for you today is who is sitting on your stool? Who's sitting on your stool? I love that video because it paints such a great picture of how we really live our lives when it comes to allowing Jesus to have control. I mean, think about it. We're totally willing to have Jesus be in control in our lives as long as as it matches up with what we want to do. But when it comes to the things that we don't want to do, well, that becomes a different story, doesn't it? We try to climb back onto that stool. See, it's so easy to be obedient and follow Jesus as long as he's walking in the direction that I want him to go. As long as he's walking in the direction that I want my life to go in. But the moment he detours from the path that I want to walk, well, now it starts to become very difficult. It's uncomfortable. It's definitely inconvenient, and sometimes it's even painful to follow Jesus. And even though I'm speaking to you about this topic today, believe me, I'm not exempting myself from this struggle because it's definitely, it's definitely an area in my life that I struggle with. I mean, there are many times that I try to climb back on that stool because I don't think God is doing anything sometimes. Or I don't think he's acting quick enough. Or if I'm really being honest, it's because I really don't want to do what I know he's asking me to do. See, I know that God has a plan for my life. I know he has a plan and a purpose for my life. Jeremiah says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And I truly believe that. I do. I believe that God has my best interest in mind. But the problem is, man, I've got my own plans as well. I mean, see, my plans, they make sense to me. 
They include all the things that I want to do, and they exclude all the things that I don't want to do. And so I really like my plans, but only one person can sit on the stool. So the question is, am I willing to trade the plans that I have for my life with the plans that God has for my life? Because the truth is, God's plans are better for me than my own plans. He has a greater perspective that I could never see, much less understand. And I know I should be trying to see things from his perspective and not be so self-centered. But man, is that hard to do sometimes. I think at some level, we all struggle with this. We struggle to give Jesus complete control in our lives. And I mean every area of our lives. I mean, who's driving the car? Who's the captain of the ship? Who's sitting on the stool? However you phrase the question, it ultimately comes down to trust. Do we trust him fully? Or are we trusting in our own abilities and efforts? Because only one person can be in control. Now, I know we've been delayed a week in our study, but does anybody know what the memory verse for this week is? Does anybody know what it is? Nope. One, Eric, do you? Can you say it? Okay. Very good. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of our Lord, our God. If you go back and you read this verse in its contents, You will see that Psalms 20 is a prayer that David is praying with his armies right before they go into battle. And he makes this plea to God for deliverance and victory. He says, may the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of the God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up our banners in the name of God. May the Lord grant all your requests. See, this is a serious time for David and his armies. Life and death literally are on the line here. And David is asking God to protect them. He's asking God for help. He's asking that their plans will succeed and that they will be victorious in battle. And then David moves from the supplication to a declaration. And he says, now, this I know. This I know. That the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and horses, but we We will trust in the name of the Lord our God. See, David is declaring his trust in God. It isn't a question in his mind. God is going to deliver them. He is putting his life and the life of his soldiers fully into God's hands. He isn't trusting in their battle plans. He isn't trusting in their strength in numbers. He isn't trusting in their skill in battle. And unlike his enemy who is trusting in chariots and horses, David's trust is solely and wholly upon the Lord. Do you trust like that? Do you trust like that? Or are you like me and the stool video is a better picture of your trust in God? See, trust is a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing for me. For me, the level of trust depends on who is involved and what's at stake. 
I mean, it's easy for me to trust that my DVR is going to record my favorite program because if it doesn't do it, well, I'm just out of program. It's not that big of a deal. But it's a different thing for me to give the keys of my truck to a teenager who just got back from the DMV with a shiny new license. Stakes are a little bit higher. Don't know that I trust that that well. See, the level of trust also depends on the intimacy or the knowledge of the person that I'm trusting. What track record do they have? Have they proven themselves to be trustworthy? It's easy for me to trust my wife, Ashley, because I know her intimately. We've had time to develop trust in our relationship. There's a track record. Yeah, there's some up and downs in that record but because we fail each other at times. But there's an overall high level of trust because of our desire to love each other the best way that we possibly can. But it isn't so easy for me to trust a politician that I don't know personally and whose profession has a history and a track record of being untrustworthy. So it all depends about what, what, who's involved and what's at stake. But what about when it comes to trusting in God? How do we do that? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding Seek his will in all that you do, and he will show you which path to take. Now, this is the verse that we have up in our lobby. If you notice in our lobby, we have the TBA in each verse for TBNA, and T is trusting in TBNA. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Now, take a moment and think about that, because it sounds easy to do on the surface. Sure, I trust God, but man, do I really? Do I really trust him? I mean, what does it mean to trust God with your whole heart? See, the Hebrew word for heart, it's defined as your will, your character, your mind, your inner self. Basically, in other words, it's every part of who you are. Your heart is every part of who you are. Every single area of your life, everything that you're involved in, your relationships, your marriage, your singleness, your kids, your inability to have kids, your employment, your lack of employment, your financial provision, your spending of that provision, all of it, everything, everything in your life needs to be put in the hands of God. And I don't know about you, but for me, that is easier said than done. See, some of those things are easier to trust God with than others, especially if I have all the answers and things are going fairly smoothly for me. It's easy to say that I trust in God with my income as long as I have a job and I have income coming in. But the moment that I get laid off, well, that makes it a lot harder to trust. It's easy to trust God with my marriage as long as me and my wife are getting along and things are great. But man, when things don't go so good and it's rocky, and it starts to look like divorce is the only option? Am I, am I trusting God then? Why is it so hard for us to trust? Why is it so hard for us to trust God? Well, let me ask you this. Which one do you want to be in this picture? Which person do you want to be? See, the Flying Rudellas were trapeze artists, and they said that there's this special relationship between the flyer and the catcher on the trapeze. The flyer is the one who lets go, and the catcher is the one who catches. As the flyer swings high above the crowd on the trapeze, a moment comes where he must let go, 
And he arcs out into the air with his hands stretched high. And his job is to remain as still as possible and wait for the strong hands of the catcher to pluck him from the air. The flyer must never try to catch the catcher because it always ends in a fall. The flyer must never try to catch the catcher but has to wait in absolute trust and then the catcher will catch him but he has to wait. Why is it so hard for us to trust God? Well, I think it's because we want to know the outcome. We don't want to wait in uncertainty. We want control. We want to be the catcher. We don't want to be the flyer. Ultimately, what we're saying is we want to be God. We want to choose for ourselves. And it goes back to the original sin of Adam and Eve. Since the fall of man, there's this power struggle that has gone on between God and us over control. Yeah, sometimes we surrender to God's will, but when his reality interferes with our daily lives, we jump right back in the driver's seat, try to climb right back up on the stool, and the results are hardly ever good. I mean, think about it. How well does your life go when you try to take the will from God? Is it better or is it worse? I don't know about you, but for me, it never, ever ends well. I always find that the more I try to control, the more out of control my life is. When we fight so hard to have control all the time, but the truth is control is an illusion. It's so egocentric of us to think that in our own power and in our own strength, we can control all the factors that are around in our lives. It's crazy that we think that, but we do. And it's because we depend on our understanding. And we can't depend on our own understanding. Why? Because our own understanding is skewed because sins in this world. See, human insights are never enough. God's ways are beyond our understanding. All the wisdom that a person may ever acquire in his life can never replace the full need for trust in God's superior ways. Look at what it says in Isaiah 55. My thoughts are nothing. They're nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. That so many of us, so many people make crucial life decisions in areas such as marriage and finances and career, not based on the revealed word of God, but based on our feelings and how we feel at the moment. We've become a culture of feel-right logic. If it feels right, it must be right. But Proverbs 14, 12 says our feelings are unreliable. There's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Those who trust in their own insight are foolish. They're foolish. But anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. So you may feel like walking away from your marriage is going to make you happier. You may feel like quitting your job is best for you and your family, even though there isn't another job on the horizon. You might feel like living together before marriage is a safe move. 
You may feel like looking at pornography doesn't hurt anybody. You may feel like flirting with your coworker is innocent and harmless. Our insight is foolish. I've seen people destroy their lives. Destroy their lives based off what feels right. The wise man does not lean on his own understanding, but he trusts that God's ways are best. When we choose our own way, we are arrogantly claiming that we know better than God. Putting ourselves in the wrong position. See, if we have to seek God's will for our lives, we have to seek his will to know what path we're supposed to take in order for us to trust God, for us to know the right decisions to make in life, we have to know him intimately. Not just a nod of recognition, but an ongoing, deep, intimate relationship. Seeking God in all that we do is more than just coming on Sunday and acknowledging God in formal worship. Seeking God in all we do is more than just crying out to him in crisis. Seeking his will in all we do means that we are to go to him about every single thing in our lives, big and small, acknowledging the fact that God is sovereign over everything. He's sovereign over everything. Again, the reason I trust my wife so much is because of the intimate relationship we have. We have a track record built over time, and the same is true when it comes to God, and the reason that we don't trust him, and if we're being really honest here, the reason we don't trust God is we don't know him. We don't know him intimately. We don't know his track record. We haven't allowed himself to prove his trustworthiness to us. We don't spend time in his word getting to know him. There's no way, there is no way you can trust God if you don't know who he is. The definition of trusting is reliance upon or confidence in someone. You can't have confidence in God if you don't know God. You have to begin a journey with him, and it is a lifelong journey. It is a lifelong relationship. Get to know him. Find out his character. Learn about what he has already done. See, the whole purpose of experiencing God, this whole thing that we're doing, isn't so you can have one moment or one small experience about who God is. It's so you can learn to have a deep, intimate, ongoing, life-forever relationship with the creator of the universe. And as we submit our lives to him, as we get to know God and understand who he is and seek his will for our lives... Well, then it starts to build a foundation of trust. And as we give more and more over to God, it begins to allow us to let him into every area of our lives. And God continues to prove himself worthy of our trust. And it makes us want to trust him more and more. And the result is, is that we have a heart change. And then we move from this self-centered life that we live all the time to this God-centered life that we're supposed to live. And as God moves into the right position in our lives, the one that is in control, our heart changes and our perspective changes. See, 
When God's in control and we're submitting to him, the way that we see the world changes. The way that we face trials and suffering changes. The way we spend our time changes. The way we handle our money changes. The way we use our talent changes. Our whole purpose for life changes when we die to ourself. Because when we die to ourselves, we're able to exchange God's plans for our plans. Isaiah 26, 8 says, Lord, we show you our trust in you by obeying your laws. Our hearts desire, our hearts desire is to glorify your name. But it all begins with submission and giving control over to God. Man, are you trusting God today? I mean, are you truly trusting him? I'm not talking about the surface. I'm talking about deep down in the core of who you are in every single area of your life. Are you trusting God? Are you trusting him with your marriage? Is Christ at the center of your marriage? Are you loving each other in that sacrificial love that God calls us to? Wives, are you respectfully submitting to your husband's leadership? Husbands, man, are you, are you protecting the heart of your wife and loving her as Christ loves the church? I mean, maybe you feel like there's no hope in your marriage and walking out seems like the only option. And are you trusting God to do the miraculous? Because he can If you're both willing, he can. God can take the worst of what we do and turn them into things of beauty. He can restore your marriage if you both allow him to do so. Maybe you're not married at all. Are you trusting God in your singleness? Are you trusting him to find you the right spouse in his timing? And what if his will is for you not to be married? Are you trusting him to give you contentment in his decision for your life? Are you trusting God with your kids? Are you raising them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? Maybe your kids have walked away from God. Maybe they're making all the wrong choices in life right now. Are you trusting that God loves your kids infinitely more than you ever could and that he is doing everything to get their attention And draw them back to him. Are you trusting God in your job? Do you work with integrity and honesty? Are you struggling in your current job? Are you trusting God to give you peace at work instead of looking for a way out? Maybe God has a purpose for you there. Do you see your job as a mission field? That you're supposed to be a light to your coworkers? Are you trusting God in your unemployment? That he's going to provide for you no matter what and that he will bring the right job in the right timing? Are you trusting God with your finances knowing that God is your only provider? Are you allowing him to direct your purchases? Are you being a good steward of what God has given you? Are you faithfully giving back to God? Because if you're not, Listen, Jesus talks about money more than he talks about anything else in the Bible. If you're not giving back to God, you are not trusting him with your whole life. You're just not. Are you trusting God with your time, 
Do you make him the priority every day? Are you using your time and your talents for his kingdom, or is it full of your own busy schedule, fulfilling your wants and desires? Maybe God's called you to serve in an amazing, radical, out-of-your-comfort-zone kind of way. Are you trusting him to guide your steps, even though it doesn't make sense? Are you trusting God to deliver you from that struggle or sin that you just can't seem to shake? Maybe it's anger or rage and you just keep blowing up at your spouse and your kids. Maybe it's a forgiveness problem and somebody's hurt you so deeply you just don't know how to forgive. Or maybe you need to forgive yourself from the guilt that's holding you down. Are you trusting God to walk through that trial that you're going through? Because I want you to know the trial you're going through, even though God may not be the source of it, you can bet, you can bet he's using it to get your attention, to get you to give up control, to get you in the position of falling on your knees, kneeling at the foot of the cross and giving it over to him. Maybe you've never taken that first step in trusting God and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. So it might be even hard to understand if he's trustworthy or not. Well, if that's where you're at today, I want you to know that that's okay because God has taken that first step toward you. You see, ever since sin came into this world through Adam's action, God has been making a way to restore all that's been broken. And he did that by sending his one and only son, Jesus, to make amends for you and me. And Jesus suffered and died a cruel death in order to atone for our sin. An innocent man took our place and he took our punishment in order that we could stand righteous before God. God has proven himself trustworthy, more than trustworthy. I mean, think about it. If God, who loved his only one son, Jesus, if God gave him up to die for you and me, how much does that say about how much God loves you and me? To me, it says everything. He has proven himself to be trustworthy. If you've never accepted Jesus in your life, man, I'm, I'm asking you, I'm inviting you, take that first step today. Take that first step of trust. Accept that free gift of grace that the Lord has for you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to follow Christ. Wherever you are, I would highly encourage you to go to the Next Steps area. We've got great people back there who can answer your questions. They can give you information about what it means to follow Christ, and they can pray with you. Take advantage of that. For the rest of us, who's sitting on your stool? Who's sitting on the stool of your life? See, if you find yourself fighting to climb back on that stool over and over again. And aren't you tired of it? Aren't you tired of it? Because I know for me, it's exhausting. It's exhausting trying to grab control all the time from God. Are you willing to trade your plans and your wants and your desires? Are you willing to trade them for the plan and purpose God has for your life? Because if we truly want to experience God, if we truly want to experience him, it requires submitting to him and dying to ourselves. We cannot be in God's will and we cannot be fully used by him if we're not submitting to him. And let me say that again. We cannot be 
in God's will and we cannot be used by him if we are not submitting to him. Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. But those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. What area of your life are you holding on to? What do you need to let go of and give control over to Jesus? I would suggest and I would say that each of us in this room has something that we are clinging tightly to and not allowing to die in our lives. So what I'm asking you today is are you willing to let that go? Are you willing to let go of the thing that you're clinging tightly to? Are you willing at least to talk to the Lord about it? Band, you guys can come on up. And as the band makes their way up, I would challenge you with this. Be open to the Holy Spirit because I believe he's speaking to your heart right now. I believe he's asking you to let go. To let it go. Be obedient to his voice. Remember, he's the one who sits on the stool, not us. You should have been given a three-by-five card when you came in today. If you didn't get one, find something, find anything to write on. And what I want you to do is I want you to write on that card the things that you are not trusting God with, but you want to. The things you want to give over to God. And then as the band plays, I want you to come up here and I want you to place it on the stage, symbolically laying it at the feet of Jesus. And then I'd ask you to kneel in prayer and pray that God will help you let go of whatever you're holding on to so tightly. Ask him to help you submit to his will, no matter what it looks like, no matter how hard it is. Listen, God's going to walk with you through all of it. I know it looks desperate, but we have a God who loves desperately. So whatever it is, be obedient. Pray for God to help you be obedient and to submit your life to him. If you need somebody to pray with you, go to Next Step Center. I'll be there. There are other people who will be there ready to pray with you. If you need to come and pray at the stage, drop your card off, pray at the stage. If you're taking your first steps and following Christ, go to the Next Step Center. Let us talk with you. All trust begins in submission. All trust begins in submission. Kneeling at the foot of the cross... God's desire is for us to be in that position of the flyer with our arms outstretched, wholly dependent upon him and him alone, waitingly, waiting patiently with outstretched arms and trusting confidently that he will catch us. And he will. He will catch you. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for your amazing love and your grace and your patience with us, Lord, even though that we have such a hard time giving our lives over to you, Father, and you have proven yourself more than trustworthy, Lord, and yet we still have a hard time letting go of those things. God, my prayer is is that we would be obedient to the things you call us to. God, we would be obedient to submitting to your will, 
we would be obedient to allowing you to 